Welcome to the In No Division NFL podcast. As happens in July, little vacations are taken, assignments are taken, and we didn't do last week's show. Um, we are back. We're going to do the NFC West to wrap up our deep, deep dives. Uh, Matt, last week while I was on assignment in Tahoe, which is not heavy lifting at all, believe me, <laughs> you went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame with, with some family members, right? Making memories. Yeah, it was good stuff. You know, I've been there many times. You know, as a kid, well, I'm only about two hours away from Canton, so people don't aren't, aren't aware Pittsburgh to Canton is not is a very easy trip. Um, I as a kid, I probably went a handful of times, and then when I was the director of football ops at Akron, I organized the recruiting events at the Hall of Fame. It was within the limits, so we would when on Saturday nights for the official visits. We would have the whole place to ourselves. It was awesome. We'd eat dinner there. The families were there. The recruits were there, and we had wow. pretty much three or four hours just to kind of roam around the Hall of Fame and do anything we wanted. It was awesome. So I was there a lot. You know, I was there every weekend there for a while. Um, but a week ago, I took my dad, who has never been surprisingly, and I took my ten-year-old. So the three Williamson men made a trek to the Hall of Fame, and it was awesome. Yeah. When was the last time you were there before? Uh last week when i worked at akron i haven't been there since so that was like uh, to give people an idea i'm like when i was at akron we had charlie fry chase blackburn dominic hickson um that was like 12 years ago i think give or take yeah. so it's been a while and there's some new things that are very cool yeah no it's yeah, i've only been there twice and the last time was in 1999 so i'm certainly due it's a cool place um so i'm glad you enjoyed that now back and let's talk football um little surprising news and a, a continued surprising trend. The Carolina Panthers gassed GM Dave Gettleman. No real indication that was going to happen. A couple weeks ago, John Dorsey gets, you know, gets shown the door in Kansas City after building a, a playoff team, much like Gettleman did in Carolina. I guess two-part question. Are you surprised that Gettleman got out after the most the success that he's had it's mostly been successful and are you surprised by these things happening so late in the offseason the timing's weird i mean for those that don't know and i found this out firsthand um generally contracts for front office people go draft to draft give or take you know like i was on a one-year deal with the browns my first day was the day after they drafted kellen winslow jr and my last day was the day after we drafted Braylon Edwards. So usually that's when scouts and front office people and, you know, we all got fired, um, get let go or there's changes. You know, so I guess it's not that much different to do it now. You know, I mean, you're, you're not that much further along. You know, on the pro side, isn't much different. You know, there's no new reports or anything like that. Nothing big has happened in college since then. But I am shocked that both these guys are gone because kind of like you mentioned – They've built good rosters, you know, and I think we talked about the Kansas City situation a little bit last time, but I really think that Carolina is one of the better focused and has a plan type organizations out there. I mean, more so than any team, than most teams in the league, they really know what they're doing. You know, like on defense, everything's built around their front seven, and their linebackers are very, very, very active, and they play a ton of zone. They don't blitz very much. So, therefore, 
they don't put hardly any resources in corners and safeties. You know, Keekley and Thomas and Shaq Thompson cover so much ground, it makes their job a little easier. They're playing zone. They're keeping things in front of them. So every team cuts corners somewhere, they cut them a corner, you know, and they invest heavily in their defensive line and K.K. Short and, you know, linebackers, even though they didn't need Shaq Thompson. He was exactly what they wanted. He was a first-round pick on him. That's why they went, let Josh Norman go. And for the most part, over the last couple of years, it's worked pretty well. And on offense, I think they very much – Mike Lombardi says this a lot. The quarterbacks are like or Major League Baseball stadiums. You know, like when I was a kid, the Pirates used to play the Cardinals all the time, and they played in this huge field that was turf, so all their players were like Vince Coleman and Fast and Ozzie Smith. You know, that they could really run. If you have a – a short left field porch, then you got to get right-handed power hitters. Well, the Cardinals or the Panthers have a very unique quarterback in, in Cam Newton. And up until now, they've built around him really well with a highly diverse running game that goes through the quarterback as opposed to having him as a complementary piece. And their receivers are all very big, wide catching radiuses, good blockers for that running game, and why I mentioned their good, you know, big catching radius is because Cam's not that accurate, you know. So, um, you know, I really thought that they had a plan that they were very clear with how they wanted to team build. And not only is he gone, but his right hand man now is in Buffalo too. So, it could be a little different. Yeah, there seems to be some flux there, and uh, you know, I, I think I get what you're saying about scout. Schedules and, and you're right. A lot of the supporting staff scouts kind of run draft to draft, but this is your general manager. This is the right. guy who's really running the show, and to do it a week before camp starts, and whatever reason, unless it's something we just don't know about, something that hasn't come out yet, um, a specific you know reason that happened. You could have done this for the past six months, and I, I, it just it just shows some 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 lack of of direction at top, and it's just uh, it's just kind of strange. And I guess the smoking gun, if you want to say there's one, is the Josh Norman, you know, gap, which was a major gap, but that was a that was a mistake that was made 15 months ago, and if you're still pissed about it, if you're Gary Richardson. Well, geez, you you let this guy finish last year. You let him start this year. You let him get free agents this year. You let him draft your rookies this year. I, I just I just don't see. I just the timing just seems a little odd. Agreed. Um, and I also think it's noteworthy, just from a personnel standpoint, that it looks. You know, I mentioned how their offense has been designed, and. That worked very well. They went to the Super Bowl. They had, you know, a very highly successful team. But Cam Newton's getting killed. You know, that I thought the number one priority of the Panthers this offseason had to be to make his body tech take less of a beating. You know, he can't treat himself like Mike Gall's thought from here on out. So they went out and got two guys that don't fit the mold previously in McCaffrey and Samuel in the first two rounds, and then they drafted a tackle after that. So that made some sense. I mean, is that not what ownership and the coaching staff wanted to do? I mean, those were big, uncharacteristic moves. Uh, is, there, is there an issue with that? I mean, everyone's praising McCaffrey and Samuel in this move, and I mean, I'm not sure how well it's going to work personally. 
you know, is Cam going to be able to adjust to those type of moves? Um, but I do think it's noteworthy because it's a different type of personnel move than what they've done in the past. Yeah, it, it, it's just kind of it's kind of a goofy thing, and I think I think the Panthers are a team that we're really going to have to watch in the next, you know, during this season because they're they're a team that we're watching anyway, and they're, you know, a, 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 like we talked about during the NFC South deep dive that we're they're a team of certainly offensive flux and. Now there's even more flux, so you know. Let's see how Ron Rivera handles all this, because you know the the pressure is going to fall on him. Yeah, and I mean, in Kansas City, you could say, well, Andy Reid has a lot of juice. He's been doing this a long time. The organization will be fine. Um, in Carolina, I mean, I guess he's been around a while. He's not a rookie head coach. I mean, is this the point of his career where, you know? This is your organization, you know. It just seemed like two or three years ago this guy was on the hottest of seats, too. But he's done pretty well. Is he going to be able to keep the ship steering along? Yeah, I, I really like Ron Rivera. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's a good coach for for Cam Newton. And, and now we'll see how it goes. You yeah. Know? So very, very interesting. Uh, interesting in our nation's capital as well. And I'm talking football. Um, Kirk Cousins, we we know what happened there yesterday, and then in a very Redskin-like move, Bruce Allen makes a statement, doesn't take any questions, and basically throws it in the quarterback's lap that, hey, here's the deal we gave him. He doesn't want it, so, you know, hopefully we'll sign him, but, you know, there you go, it's on Kirk. So what this had, and he called him Kirk, what, what this does create is, Really, one of the more wild scenarios in recent NFL history, and we're talking about free agency next year. There's going to be a guy, whether you like Kirk Cousins or not, he's a top twenty quarterback and top twenty quarter, and he might be higher depending on your taste. Top twenty quarterbacks do not get to the open market. He's probably very likely going to go to the open market. Because, yeah, sure, they can get a deal done with Washington, but then they're not going to franchise them because it's going to take so much of their cap room. Why wouldn't he test the waters after all this? Why would he say, okay, after all this crap, after two, three years, I'm a week away from frenzy, I'll sign with the Redskins and, and, and not see what's out there. He's going to hit the market. And, I mean, fascinating. Yeah, that is. And it'll be very fascinating to see the dollars. You know, I'm sure that the you know the the financial of it all will be really interesting. Because when's the last time? When's the last time a legit? You know, who knows where you put him? I mean, I agree he is a top twenty guy, and it doesn't matter where you rank him. But everyone out there agrees he's an NFL starting quarterback. You know, I mean, all day long, he's proven that. So, what is an NFL starting quarterback that isn't Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? What is that worth when he's actually on the open market and there's going to be three or four teams bidding for him? I mean, imagine if the Browns and the 49ers getting a bidding war for this guy. Um, what's that contract going to look like? I'm also curious yeah, to see. I mean, and it could, it could go that route very easily. Sure. And I mean, there's going to be a handful of teams that have a lot of money that are big spenders. And then I think the next thing, you know, and maybe Jacksonville. I mean, there's a handful of teams we could easily write a scenario that would like Kirk Cousins. I'm sure the Niners will be, you know, linked to him first and foremost, more than everybody. But what if Jared Goff 
fails, you know, and after another year, and McVeigh wants to call him back. I mean, again, there's a lot of teams that could want him. But I think the other thing that's interesting that you didn't mention is what do you do if you're the Redskins now? You know, I mean, if you if you operate under the assumption that Cousins is going to play this year out and then he is going to go and you're going to get a third-round pick back for him a year later, what do you do in a quarterback? I mean, part of me thinks... And this doesn't. This isn't even hindsight speaking. You know, in 2020, that you kind of knew this was coming. You know, you couldn't use a second round pick on Deshaun Kaiser or somebody like that. I mean, or uh, Webb or at least somebody in the building that maybe could develop in a starting quarterback. I mean, their cupboard is going to be as bare as the 49ers was when Shanahan took over there after this off season. Yeah, and that cousins. This year, a motivated cousins. Uh, unless you know the pressure totally gets to him, unless he gets hurt, they're not going to have a, a super high draft pick to get a, a top quarterback in the probably not in the draft here. So I mean, they're they're talking that this could be a very good quarterback draft, but if there's you know who are the names? Allen from Wyoming, Darnold, S.D., Rosen, UCLA, Jackson. Louisville, I think there's a couple other guys that could jump up there. But if it's as good as as we think it may be, they're at, say, 17, they're not going to get any of those guys, or they're going to have to trade up to get one of them. So, and then you're in the RG3 yeah, situation there's, there's no, that they no already did and set the franchise and that's why back. I found that. their approach to this deal a little maybe naive or obtuse or whatever fancy word you want to use. That they have to real, they have to appreciate not being one of the teams that have no idea what to do at the quarterback. They don't have a great quarterback, but they have a solid quarterback. And in the NFL, you kind of ride that out. And their little two-year offer is short-sighted, and they're, they're going to find out in a year that man, the answer we had last year was a lot better than the answer we have right now. No doubt. I mean, again, I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins fan in the world, but you can't convince me that in that under any circumstances that Washington's going to be better at the quarterback position in 2018 than they are in 2017. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and there's, there's at least 10 teams right in this minute going into this season that have worse quarterback situations, right? I mean, and... And I think you just gotta. I think you gotta be very thankful if you don't have one of those questions. And and the flip side of it, say they do trade up to get the Allen kid from Wyoming, there's no guarantee that guy's gonna be Kirk Cousins. No, right. He might be a flop. Right. He might be John Elway, but yeah, I mean, there's yeah. history shows us that that's far from a sure thing. I hadn't thought of it if I was the Redskins GM until now. But the two names I would be considering, assuming that all goes down as planned, are Garoppolo and Bridgewater. What was that? I missed that. Jimmy Garoppolo and Teddy Bridgewater. What about Hunley, who we talked about last show? Yeah, maybe, yeah. That wouldn't be a bad one either. So, I mean, there will be options, you know, I mean... If Mitch Trubisky looks really good, maybe you can get Glennon and then draft a guy. You know, I mean, but you're going to have to make moves, and they're going to be cheap. They're not going to be cheap. Right. Yeah. 
No, it's uh, it's interesting. Another franchise deal um, happened in Pittsburgh where the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell did not come to an agreement. There was a report that the Steelers had an offer of $12 million a year for five years. I, and we've talked about this a lot, and you're obviously there in Pittsburgh. I'm a little surprised that the Steelers made an offer that big to him. I am too, and uh, he's the best back in the league. I think he's on a Hall of Fame pace. You can't allow him to leave, especially while the Roethlisberger window's open. But he's making about that now on the franchise tag, and LaShawn McCoy is the second highest paid back in the league this year, and he's making like five or six million less. I mean, you can't double the highest running back salary on a yearly basis. I, I uh, well, let's talk about this after I go to camp, and I can talk a little more. But and I can find some more out. But I would honestly be shocked if the Steelers offered him sixty million over five years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. running backs don't make Even that. That's, little... that's, it's not and, close and, to the market. You're Bill, don't you take that knowing that? Yeah, you know, you're going to be thirty at the end of that deal. You know, and you can get your guarantee money now. And I mean, this is a guy who's who's missed, you know, a quarter of his career already. I mean, how do you say no to that deal if it was really on the table? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, you're getting $12 million guaranteed this year, then you're a free agent, and someone might offer you a deal like that, but your, your stock's not going to go up. Or the Steelers might franchise you again, like, they, you know, like Washington did with Cousins, and you'll get another one-year deal that's even more. But to... To uh, you know, to be twelve million a year for uh, an extended stretch—that's as good as it gets. Like I said, that's double the market. Yeah, I mean, I, I just look at it from the serious perspective: overused, injury-prone, got a reputation as a goofball guy. Shed any of those issues as they get older, you know, and. I, I just think that I think the, the Steelers really dodged the bullet with him saying no yesterday. Yeah, and again, I think it's very much in the equation. Run him into the ground as they always do. You know, ride his back. Maybe win a Super Bowl. Probably go to the playoffs and franchise him again. But you know, if he gets hurt again, you mentioned how it's a really good quarterback draft. It's also a great running back class too. They drafted James Conner. You could use that money elsewhere. I mean, none of those guys are probably Le'Veon Bell, who I do believe is the best in the league. And, you know, you have a short window. I mean, uh, and I wouldn't inv- I'm not big on investing in running backs in general. But if you're going to, he's the kind you want to. But you're right. He's been suspended, and he's hurt every year. And a lot of that's because Tomlin just runs him into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think he's this year, and then you – reconsider, see what happens, maybe throw that franchise tag at him again, and that's probably going to be it, I would think. Right. I mean, if you – what's he making, like 12 or 13 this year plus another 10%, so you pay him like 26 over these two years for two prime years of his career. Ben's probably done after that anyways. He's probably had a handful of injuries at that point, and you send him on his way. Right, right. And I don't know if you want to talk about this one because it's kind of silly, but, you know, Johnny Manziel says, hey, 
you know, there's some teams out there that I've been talking to, and maybe I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna get signed here. I mean, if he gets signed, be and, and I don't want to talk about all of the Kaepernick stuff, but if he gets signed before Kaepernick, holy crap, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, Johnny's never looked good on the field. Right. And, and he's, I mean, I'd rather have Kaepernick in my locker room than Manziel. Right. Yeah, and, and yeah, and, and you know what? People may not want to hear it, or maybe people do want to hear it, but Kaepernick may, may be looked at as a distraction by teams. And that's why, you know, you don't, I was, I was in Tahoe the other day, Tony Romo basically said what I've been thinking and hearing other people saying is that if they thought he was a starting cult, starting caliber quarterback for 2017, he'd be signed. But they look at him as a backup. He's not saying they play all 32 teams. Well, you, you look at your backups a little differently than you look at your starters. Maybe you can handle distraction from your starter. You can't. Nobody wants your backup to be a distraction. So that's kind of at root the reason why Kaepernick isn't signed. You know, it's more complicated, but at, at yeah. root. Well, Johnny Manziel is a distraction as well. So, And he's not as good a player as, as, as Kaepernick. So there's no way he should be signed before Kaepernick, right? Right. I, I, that would be crazy to me. I mean, I'm 100% with you. I would much rather give Kaepernick the money than Manziel or, or have him on right. my team. Um, and, and to just take the one step further, it's not like he's the one's traditional quarterback either. You know, kind of like I mentioned with Cam Newton, you know, you're, he's your, your your baseball field and you build your team around him if he's the starter, not the backup. You know, I don't want to have to change my team because the backup comes into the game. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Well, that was some – we're getting towards the season. We have some good stuff there that you think to talk about. But we do have to wrap up our series and deep diving with uh, the NFC West. Um, we thought this division going into last year was going to be one of the more intriguing because we thought that Seattle and Arizona were two of the best five teams in the league. But Arizona didn't hold up their end of the bargain. And Seattle, frankly, didn't either. But we Seattle as a playoff team. I mean, this division starts with Seattle, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think more than any team in the league, and maybe because people are getting bored of them, I feel like the public is sleeping on Seattle. You know, that with all respect to Atlanta, I'm almost positive I'm going to take Seattle to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I think they're a really, really good team. And I know everyone says things like, but, boy, their offensive line's the worst in the league. It is bad. I mean, it's really bad. Don't get me wrong. But they signed Luke Jokel, who is a joke. I mean, you know, he's not the second pick in the draft. But he's better than the Jokers they were playing with at left tackle last year. You know, they used a pick on Posick in the second round. And I'm not sure where he's going to play, but I like the player. And I just pulled up drafthistory.com and – I know everyone kind of laughs at Seattle that they ignore their offensive line and no one has less cap space at the, at the offensive line than Seattle. And it's true that they have a lot, a lot of money invested, but they used a second-rounder on Posick this year, a six-rounder on, on Senior, who you know, he, he probably won't make the team or whatever. They used a 
third rounder on a guard, or a fifth rounder on a guard last year, a sixth rounder on a center, uh, as, as well as a first round pick on a Fetty last year. They used a, a third and a fourth the year before on guards. So, and they used a second round pick on Justin Britt the year before. So, they've used what six, seven picks in the top four rounds, or not quite that many, on offensive linemen. I mean, I have to think that those young guys are going to be the arrows at least going up on them, and, and as a line as a whole. Yeah, and, and you know they have a really good offensive line coach in, in Tom Cable, um, you know former Raider head coach, and you know I think he got. You know, his reputation—he hurt his reputation a little bit. Well, he was the whole coach, you know, alleged coaching hitting thing, and he was there when the Raiders were a mess. But get right down to it—he's a really good position coach, and he's really respected in the league. And you know, he's going to help figure this thing out in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, the cupboard's not totally bare. You know, I mean. And clearly that's their weakest position. And I don't think it's going to be a great line, but I think it's improving and it's young. And they said it is well coached. But the rest of the team doesn't have any holes. I mean, they're really loaded everywhere else. And I think Wilson's a top-five type quarterback. You know, they're well coached. They have the been there, done it factor. I don't look at the defense and say, boy, they're old all of a sudden. I mean, they keep drafting on defense. Uh, Clark and McDowell this year, they drafted a bunch of defensive backs to keep that secondary strong. So I don't think they're going away at all, and it shocks me that more people aren't talking about them as the best team in the NFC. NFC. Yeah, you may be right that, uh, that they may be people may be sleeping on them a little bit. I went to their camp last year, and I was convinced that they were going to be a Super Bowl team last year. And, you know, I, I think I predicted them in Pittsburgh last year. And I don't know what to think about Seattle right now. The one thing that kind of concerns me about Seattle is that I think that it's an underrated place for a-holes. You know, I think I think they got some personality problems there. And well, we've 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 seen the story. I'm not trying to break any news here. We've and it, it's maybe hurt them in the last couple of years. Is it going to boil over? I mean, I think we know that the, cause the GM there basically said, yeah, we, we would listen to trade rumors. I mean, trade talk on Sherman. So I, I think that there may be some, I don't know if bad blood is the word, but some tension, certainly, between some of the top players in the franchise. Is that going to be positive tension or is it going to go the other way? Maybe maybe it's been going the other way for the last couple of years, and this this year they finally just say we got to point it the other way, and, and maybe this isn't going to last forever. But let, let's go get another one. So I, I think the off field temperament of the Seattle Seahawks is a storyline as well. It could be, you know, and I think Pete Carroll's a good guy to keep that ship rolling. You know that he handles that well and. They are a deep team, and maybe Sherman won't be there long, and they do have a lot of outspoken personalities. If you look at it in a positive way, I would think that they have a lot of um, leaders, a lot of alpha dogs, you know, and especially on defense. And, you know, a lot of it stemmed, I think, from, you know, the Super Bowl not being able to get the one yard, and, you know, that had to sit really poorly in their mouths, especially the defense, you know. Um, but I also look on the field. I don't think Russell Wilson was healthy for much of the year, and I still thought he played well. 
Um, you know, Earl Thomas was out at the, down the stretch. I think he's right. their most important defense player. And we're talking about two of the best in the business slash Hall of Famer types that weren't themselves. Um, again, I'm going to have a hard time coming up with negatives on this team. Yeah. And, and, and I think I think is still an ascending player. You know, I, I think he, he can still get better. And, and its defense is strong. Yeah, I mean, certainly I, I, I think you'd be amiss if you don't think the Seahawks are – one of the four best teams in the NFC. Right, right. I think they're the best. Yeah. But, yeah, I, 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 I have a hard time coming up with things I dislike. I mean, I thought Jimmy Graham had a great season. I, I could take or leave Eddie Lacy, but between him and Rawls and Procise, I bet they have a better running game than they did a year ago. Baldwin's a, a star that no one talks about. I mean, the, the defense is still loaded. You know, Wagner and Wright are great linebackers. Bennett, Averill, I mean, there's – they're loaded. Yeah. How about the Cardinals? Again, we went to the NFC title game, 2015 season. Really kind of imploded from the start of the year. Um, you know, had a golden opportunity week one at home on Sunday Night Football to beat a, a Brady-less, Gronk-less, a few other guys-less Patriots, and the Patriots beat them. And, and last week, it may have been in his book or in his kind of core for his book, Bruce Arian said, you know, that's kind of set the tone for a lousy year. I had a chance to talk to Carson Palmer a couple weeks ago, and he said, I don't know if we really handled the expectations well last year. Now we're underdogs again, and, and I, I just like the way the feel is around the, the, you know, the building. And I also asked him about urgency. I said, look, you're going to be 37 this year. Larry's already talking retirement. And he said, yeah, there is major urgency here. Uh, Are people sleeping on the Cardinals a little bit because of a a lackluster 2016? And frankly, they're the second most disappointing team in the NFL other than the the Panthers in 2016. Maybe. I mean, I could certainly see them being a wild-card team. I mean, I've made my thoughts on Seattle pretty clear that I think they're the better, you know, they're clearly the best team in the West. Um, I have... Some, they seem to have great strengths and great weaknesses to me. You know that Patrick. A perfect example is Patrick Peterson's the best corner in the league, but the second corner's a, a major hole and gets targeted like crazy. You know, like the defensive line depth is very worrisome that Calais Campbell left. I don't trust the offensive line, um, but they have David Johnson, who's right there with Lev Bell, and you know, and Larry's still really good, and they have some weapons and. I like the draft that they they got two highly versatile, do it all, jack of all trade, athletic defenders, and they already had two in Buchanan and the Honey Badger. Like they can do a wide variety of things, and, and they blitz like crazy, and you know they have a lot of variety that they can throw at you. But I also wonder, and this isn't what you asked me, but remember, you know, Kansas City traded up and took Mahomes, and there was all kinds of rumors that Arizona wanted Mahomes. You know, the Arians loved them, and you could certainly see why. I mean, Arians and Mahomes would be a perfect match. And I wonder if Mahomes would have been there and they took him instead of Reddick, all of a sudden we'd all be saying, well, they're cashing their chips, they're playing for tomorrow. You know, when they, when they woke up on draft day morning, did they think our window's basically closed, let's get our quarterback, let's build for tomorrow? Oh, no, he's not there. 
let's take the guy and live for today. You know, no risk it, no biscuit. We'll go get two defensive players and make another run. You know, like a total philosophical change with first-round pick. Yeah. Maybe. It's interesting, but, I mean, who knows how long Arians is going to coach either. You know, I mean, sure. he's older. He's had some health issues. I mean, if you lose Palmer and Fitzgerald in the offseason, don't you think you retire if you're Arians? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I, do like the, I, I thought they drafted pretty well, though. They did. Yeah, I like both those guys. We'll see. So, I mean, can this be a team that makes a legit wild card run? Yes. Um, but I truly believe that Palmer is more the 2016 version of Palmer than he is the 2015 version of Palmer. You know, that I think when we look back at his career, we'll say, you know, that 2015 year was a bit of an anomaly, you know, like everything kind of aligned for him. And I don't know that we'll see that out him out of him again. David Johnson has to be the man in this offense, and I think he can be, and I think John Brown will be a big contributor, unlike last year. But, you know, if I'm doing an NFC power ranks, I definitely have five or six teams ahead of them. I mean, but I might pick them to win. I might pick them to go to the playoffs, and once you're in, I mean, they could upset somebody or, you know. Right. I don't think they're done. So overall, as we get to the last two teams in the division, and you know, I don't think either one of these two teams are a playoff contender. Is this a is this a strong or is it a weak division? I think the Rams are better than people think. I think the Niners are going to contribute or be a chance to pick first overall. But at least there's some optimism there, and it looks like they have a plan. And I think Shanahan's going to be a great coach for them. But I don't think they're going to win many games this year. Um, I'm not sure that L.A. is going to win a lot of games either. But I do think there's a plan there finally, and I think the coaching change could go a long way, and maybe they can revive Goff's career. Defense should be good. But if you're doing a power ranks, I mean, I think the Rams and the Niners are definitely in the bottom ten, if not lower. San Francisco's probably in the 30s. <laughs> you know, I mean um, – and Seattle would be second or third to me overall, and Arizona would be 14, 15, something in that neighborhood, right in the middle. So I think it's now a below-average division. Yeah. Yeah. I, let's talk about the Rams a little bit. Do you, do you think McVay is the, kind of the right fit for this team? I mean, 30 years old when he was hired, um, had a heck of a reputation around the NFL as a, a quarterback guy. That's why they – hired him because they had golf so much invested in him. I mean, could this be the start of something good in L.A.? I think so. I have optimism for the for the offense. It's, it's probably the worst offense in the league last year. So, I mean, I think it's going to show – I think it's going to be respectable this year. I don't think it's going to be good. But I think golf's going to look like an NFL quarterback. I think adding Whitworth will go a long way on and off the field. Young team – I think Gurley is much more the 2015 version than the 2016. Maybe they have some receivers now, but I just really trust McVay. I think he is the right hire, and you know, and he also bring in Phillips, who's you know the, the old, obviously old stalwart to help him out behind the scenes. And um, I do think the direction is positive, but it's going to take a while. I mean, I think there's the plan is very much in place, especially on the offensive side of the ball. 
But what's weird about this team, too, Bill, is they're the worst. They have the least cap space of anyone in the league. You know, like, mm-hmm. they save a lot of money invested in Tavon Austin and, you know, all these, like, okay guys. Like, they haven't done things well in that department either at all. Yeah, I mean, and there's there's rumors that, you know, maybe if John L.A. gets loose, that Stan Kroenke, who knows him from Denver business days, makes a run at Elway and tries to get him out of the Broncos' office. Um, hmm. Yeah, the Rams the Rams are weird. I mean, not a lot of money and not a lot of draft picks because they gave a lot of them away for golf. Um, they, it may take a while, and the offensive line is, is kind of, you know, certainly weak. I want to talk about Gurley a little bit. You, you say that you think he's going to be more of the rookie that we saw, but he scares me, and I know he had didn't have a lot of help. But he didn't. I mean, he didn't make any plays last year. You would think at some point that ability would show up at, at, at you know once in every couple of games, and it really didn't. He had no real big burst plays. No, you're right, and. I didn't think he had a lot of running room as a rookie, but he broke free a lot more, and he broke free zero times last year. <laughs> you know, and I didn't like the way he ran. It looked like he was running, expecting there not to be holes and to get hit, and obviously he was the absolute focal point of every defense they faced. But some of it's on him too. You know, I mean, I, I think I think he's a, a, a very very strong talent though. And it would shock me if McVeigh and this system doesn't kickstart him back. You know, I, I just think that with the move, and I don't know if you watched All or Nothing, but the whole environment had to be a very tough one for the Rams. They were just a tired, weary team with a, a head coach that wasn't the right guy to you know bring any life back into them. And I just think it's going to be a new year for them with a you know a kind of a rebirth. Let's uh, talk about the last two in the division, 49ers and. You mentioned Kyle Shanahan, and, and again, going back to uh, Tony Romo last week, you know, he's, he's talking about, you know, his new job as a as an announcer, and he's spending a lot of time studying the league, and he, he has really kind of a eye-opening thing that I, I thought was really, really interesting, that he had great praise for Kyle Shanahan, and he says that this guy has special ability on offense, and he compared his offensive coaching abilities to Belichick's defensive coaching abilities, and I don't think there could be a higher compliment in sports. I think they're right. I mean, I think he was the best offensive coordinator slash play caller in the league last year in terms of using his personnel, little variations of plays, adjusting during the game, except for the Super Bowl. Um, maximize, I mean, if you look at Atlanta's offense, yeah, Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. Julio Jones is a total superstar. I like their running backs. But they're not, you know, Marshall Falk, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Orlando Pace, Kurt Warner, you know, or Manning's offenses. or You know, they, there's not Hall of Famers galore there or anything. And they were historically great last year. You know, and I'm not, he's not going to do that to San Francisco. But if you give him two years of bringing his guys in, I think he can do wonders for that team, but I just don't think they have any talent. Yeah. Yeah, but I I think there were six openings last year. I thought that was the least attractive opening. 
mm-hmm. and I thought Kyle Shanahan was the most attractive candidate. So that's a pretty good head start for the 49ers to get to get him in their building, and it's going to take a while. Um, yeah, I mean, right now of guys who have played in the league, not talking about rookies, I mean, they got like, what, maybe five foundation guys, and that might be a high number? Because I don't know if you can count Joe Staley anymore because he's near the end. Right. I don't think you can count Staley because when they're good, he won't be. You know, I mean, it's not like Joe Thomas in Cleveland where he's going to stay good for the next five years or whatever. But you're right. I mean, even like Carlos Hyde is a good player. I mean, he would start for most teams. He's a free agent after the year. He probably won't be back. I mean, uh, on offense, there might be zero. <laughs> that, um, I mean, we, we could be taking a leap of faith and say Armstead, Buckner, and the two first-round picks this year are foundation players. But there's a great chance that that team doesn't have a pro bowler or even anyone that's in the conversation. Yeah. This year, in our in Armstead, and you know, we'll, we'll you know Thomas certainly you think he should be good, and if if Ruben Foster is healthy, he should be good. I mean, so there's there's a chance they could turn around quickly, I guess. Um, you know, the forty every Forty Nine er game this year, just like every Redskin game this year, the announcers are going to talk about Kirk Cousins, and yeah. if, if I think that we all sit here the day after yesterday's. You know, kind of big news, and I and again, I think the big news of yesterday was more the Redskins' statement than the fact that they didn't get a deal done. Because I think their statement said more than the lack of a deal did. I think the statement said, "Yeah, this thing is going south after this year." I think the odds of Kirk Cousins being a Forty Nine er in two thousand eighteen than a Redskin is is what well. I mean. I think he's going to be. If you ask most people, if you got a better chance to be a 49er or a Redskins next year, be 49er be the answer. So, I mean, yes. the 49ers are a team for the future, and we already know who their top choice for quarterback may be in the future. So it's it's going to be a total build year for the 49ers. Yeah. However, they may end up with the second pick in the draft and are looking at – Darnold or one of those guys and say, well, we like him better and he doesn't cost us $20 million a year. Right. Right, yeah. Right. I, wrote a, I wrote a call for FanRag today that ran this morning. I did risk for both Cousins and the Redskins, and one of the risks for Cousins is that all these rookies are as advertised and teams rather spend money on them than him because they're eight years younger and they're zillions of dollars cheaper. So that is a potential risk for him, certainly, and a potential idea for the 49ers, you know, that, hey, we get Darnold, we think he fits our system and we can get him cheap and, you know. And he's got a better arm. And the 49ers do yeah. have a ton of cap space, so they will be able to spend a lot next year. Yes, but they're going to need a lot. I mean, like. Uh, they they went out and got a lot of their type of guys, you know, and I commend them for that. They gave Kyle Juszczyk a ton of money, but nobody used a fullback more than Atlanta last year. You know, I mean, they, they, there's a plan in place at least. Um, but that being said, I mean, it's phase one of a 10-step program. I mean, they did nothing to help their offensive line. Uh, they did nothing to help at corner. I mean, just uh, nothing at quarterback, basically. 
you know, they're going to lose Hyde probably. I mean, their needs are going to be many when the season ends. Yeah. I, I, we've, we've used this measuring stick a few times, but the Cleveland Browns are leaps and bounds ahead of the 49ers in their development right now, right? No, oh, Even though they may have the same record next year. I mean, this sounds terrible, but if I'm a 49ers fan and you said two years from now your 49ers will be where the Browns are right this minute, I might take it. Yeah. Especially because when you consider that's, that's tough you know, Cleveland's got two first-round right picks, anyway. two second-round picks. You know, so, so this, you know, four years ago, the, that – this was with the greatest rivalry in football, the uh, Seahawks and the 49ers. And now, I mean, the Seahawks are what, 10, 12 games better than the 49ers? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I'm doing a power rank right now, Seattle's either second or third, and San Francisco's 30 or 31st. In that name. 31st. I mean, I think the Jets are the only worst team in the league. Wow. I mean, that's that the big gap you can get, basically. January 2014, three, three and a half years ago, was the most intense game I've ever covered. And now you make this statement that they're basically, you know, worse than the best in the league. So it shows you how things can turn around so quickly for teams. Yeah, and, and it's certainly a testament to the Seahawks, too, that they've maintained. Yes, but certainly I think that you as well. You know, you know, you had yeah. a roster full of you know Hall of Fame borderline guys. You had a great coach. You had a new stadium coming, and you just screwed everything up and, and, and didn't have any answers. And now, yeah, you now know, they have none of those things. Building the 49ers, I think, has finally started again. That they put out the fire and they, they've finally started to rebuild with Winch and and Shanahan. But it's going to take time and. What this whole segment on the 49ers, we've hardly talked anything about 2017 because we we know that it's it's really not about 2017 in San Francisco. No, not at all. You know, I mean, they have Bobby Hoyer because he can execute the Shanahan offense, and maybe he can teach the next guy. You know, you don't sign Bobby Hoyer to be your starting quarterback thinking you're going to win, you know, going to playoffs. Right. Well, hey, so I think we got through our NFC deep, di- NFC West deep dive, meaning we've got through the entire NFL deep dive. Um, we're not going to be on. We're not going to be next week, um, but we will be back the following Tuesday, which is what? A qu- real quick, the first. Yeah, I think it's August first, and then the, there will be every team will be like five six days into training camp, so we'll have plenty to talk about then. Yeah, I mean, next time we talk, it's the season is here. You know, I'm going on vacation next week. That's why we won't have it. And I always go this week, this year, you know, every year. Um, but as soon as I return, it's like, boom. You know, it's, it's just like a total switch. It's like, okay, it's time to be in camp, and people are going to be getting hurt, and they're getting reports every day. And, and then next week, you know, it'll be Super Bowl. Yeah, so we are – This the, the off season is over officially for us. When, when we are back yeah. – we are in the 2017 season. Exactly. Cool. Well, great. Have a great time, Matt. And we will talk to you on August 1st. Thanks, everybody. This is Matt and Bill Williamson's No Relation NFL Podcast.